0: Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I am beyond delighted to get to introduce you um, this morning to our speaker, Melissa Tucker, who happens to be my dearest and most trusted friend. So I wanna tell you a little bit about her. Um, Melissa currently serves as a director of children through young adults at Normal Heights United Methodist Church. She, some cheering over here, that's exciting. Um, She's alum of PLNU, she was on staff directing our ministry fix co programs for 10 years. She was on the pastoral staff at First Church, and most recently, before heading to Normal Heights, was a chaplain and then director of supportive care for a local hospice. Um, Quickly into meeting Melissa, you would recognize a couple of things. She is generous with her time, her resources, and her wisdom. She enjoys travel, theme parties, which she throws often and attends even more often, probably, and pretty much any game. And Melissa is a fierce and passionate defender of the marginalized and the oppressed. She lives her life with intention, with joy, and with just extreme and abundant love. So, any who have the privilege to call her a friend know that, and I want you to know that as well. Please welcome with me Melissa Tucker.
1: Thanks, Mel. Good morning, everybody. A couple of you out there. Good morning. Hey, all right. So, I want to share with you what I think is a good name Marlene. That's a good name. Marlene. It's a good old school name. You don't hear it much. Is there any chance that there's a Marlene here today for reals? I hear you, Marlene. I don't think you're really Marlene, but that's amazing. So um, Marlene to me conjures up this like sassy, brassy, kind of classy vibe of a person. Somebody that you know you should definitely not mess with, but who simultaneously has a nice, like maybe cabinet with beautiful dishes, like all those things. That's that gal. That's Marlene to me. So I met my real life Marlene Back in April of this year, 2021, she embodied my idea of marlene so well. Her husband was a patient of ours at the hospice that I worked for, and she had a severe haircut. She was the principal of a large school her entire career. She cussed like a sailor. And then she wore those, like, baggy 80s sweatshirts with the collar already sewn in. You know the ones. Yeah. Like a sailboat on the front, you know? And despite how crusty she would get in almost all of our visits, she also never failed to have decaf coffee ready for me with just the right amount of half and half waiting for me. And alongside that cup of coffee, there would be her list of prepared questions. And I kid you not, at the top of the list, usually always, there was some doozy of a question like this. So Chaplin, after all my years of faithfulness, you tell me, why has God abandoned me? Bam. I'm like, <laughs> nice to see you too, Marlene. Uh, so we would get right into it. And then sometimes she'd pull back a little bit, go a little lighter and say something like, explain to me why you're not dyeing your hair. Thanks, Marlene. That's That's nice. So I worked here, as Mel said, at Point Loma for about a decade as a campus pastor and overseeing Mexico programming. Then I bumped next door to First Church for seven years and pastored there. But in March 2020, I stepped away from 17 years of collective goodness working here at the end of the peninsula for a new challenge. And that was to minister to those across all faiths or often of no faith at all To those who were dying and to their loved ones and their family and friends. I don't know if you caught a mega important detail of what I just said. I started hospice work in March 2020. March 9th, to be precise, and starting a new career in an already tough field, the week of shutdown during a global crisis while trying to console dying people via a FaceTime video with a brand new chaplain when they already built a relationship with the chaplain they loved? Yeah, that was the start of my pandemic. And I also resonate with y'all that you had a rough one too. Yours is way up there. I, I can't imagine, honestly, what you've been through, trying to break away up and back into college or starting college, attending class. Maintaining your friendships virtually, that's so royally unfair. And I want to acknowledge that just showing up today, being here, paying the attention that you're already paying after the two years you've had is remarkable. So we've, we've made our way through. We're making our way through, all of us. And back in that first week of training in hospice life, I fumbled my way through. And over the months that came, essentially, um, I, I found a good groove, in providing that telehealth care to my patients and to their loved ones. And most notably, we were able to form a fully Spanish-speaking care team now that I was on board. And I loved engaging our Latinx population and the hispanohablantes that were part of our work. And a few months into the chaplaincy deal, I was invited to step up into leadership and to lead the psychosocial team. So that's all those wonderful bleeding heart positions, the social workers. It's the music therapists, the fellow chaplains, the grief specialists, and the volunteers. And this was a legit team of super well-experienced professionals. They had big minds. They had even bigger hearts. They rarely complained about the rigor and the demand of our work. These were sharp, these were tough people. So back in April of this year, when a particularly strong social worker on my team called me up and said, hey boss, we got a live wire here. She's a tough one. I listened. Her name was Marlene. She was, as my friend Melanie says, mad as a snake. She was mad as a snake, about everything. She was mad about the doctors who had failed her with flawed treatment plans. She was understandably angry that every ER visit was unbearably long of a wait. They had to cancel their anniversary party. She was angry at the caregiving company. She was angry at the Pope, not the current Pope, the former Pope. And she told me about it every visit. And She was, sorry, this was the wrong mask to wear today. We are struggling. There we go. And she was mad, most notably, at God. She was so, so mad at God. She told that social worker in their initial conversation, I don't know, actually, if I believe in God anymore, but I'm a good Catholic woman, so I got a lot of guilt about what I just told you. So if you're gonna send me a chaplain, you better send me one who understands Catholic guilt, but you probably shouldn't send me a chaplain. (laughs) That was her. So after hearing this from my team member, I, right then and there, assigned myself as her chaplain. I protected the other chaplains. I took this one on and I jumped right in. Now, our passage that was read to us by Molly from Philippians is a real favorite of mine. It seems that each year as I review it, a new little section of it sort of jumps off the page, turns neon, and I pay attention to that section that glows a little bit more in a new way. Could we actually see that first slide of scripture again? A couple of years ago, the section that says on the screen, if it's possible, if not... Okay. The section that says with Thanksgiving, right there in the middle of the slide, had popped out. It's like I'd lived 35 years and I'd never noticed that it was tucked in there. It changed the way that I prayed. This year it's been in the but everything part of that, or in a different version in every situation, right there in the third line. And you know, it makes me wonder in everything, in every situation. How do we pray? I think the last two years have have formed that question for me. More specifically, how do we pray in all things, in every situation, when we don't want to pray in every situation? Or getting even more real and perhaps gut level when we absolutely cannot pray? I love so much about that short passage that was read, that there's this call to dig deep and find the joy that's available to hold gratitude right alongside pain, an invitation to bring our most raw stuff to God, and certainly that there's this expression of the mysterious nature of God in the form of unexplainable peace. It's all jam-packed in that little section of scripture. For me, it is, it's like a roadmap for my life. I return to it all the time, but maybe even more accurately, it's like bumpers and bowling. Like I read it and I'm like, whoop, bump, 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 no, nope, no, nope, get to the middle, keep going. That's how that, that scripture works for me. So as I said, in my first encounter with Marlene, she really let it all hang out. She went into detail on the agony of her husband's slow and painful decline. The devastation of separation from the church community that had always been so life giving for her, but that she couldn't now attend because of COVID. She went into her disappointment with her priest and her friends who had slowly stopped visiting. She was worried and had great fear that her finances would run out. And most passionately, she had this desperate sense that she could not feel the mercy of God anymore. And she actually whispered to me, and I will never forget this exchange, but she leaned forward and she whispered, This is all making me feel like maybe I made it all up. Like maybe God is not even real. And now I feel terrible that I just told you that. She then added, right after that, perhaps a touch unnecessarily. I could never say that to my priest. I have too much pride, but I can say it to you. You're like a pastor, but a girl. She literally said that. You know what, Marlene, I will take it. I've heard worse, I'll take it. So as she expressed that, that whispered word of doubt, I told her that this doubt expressed in a whisper was hands down the most faith-filled moment of her entire life. The doubt is not the opposite of faith, but is in fact faith itself that it's an unavoidable fact of faith, for there's no need to push back on something that you don't actually care about or believe in. And even though it felt foreign to her and off limits to utter anger and confusion about God's role in her life and the world, something in her was absolutely brazen enough to believe that God could handle her honesty. And that is mature faith for sure, As I told her this, she wept. And then she told me I was crazy and that basically I wasn't going to get her to pray. And it was in that exchange that our passage today, Philippians 4, came back to me, as it does so often. And I am good enough at my job to know you don't go quoting scripture to people who are on the edge. So I did not say it to her, but I quoted it to myself actually in the moment. And it was that section, the in everything, in every situation that kept ringing in me, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So here's what I told her. Don't. Don't pray. I will. Let me present your anxieties and your worries, your anger, your deep complaint to God. She said, well, that doesn't count. (laughs) And I said to her, well, if you don't even think you believe in God anymore, then who cares if it counts? And for the first time that first meeting, she smiled at me. I think we also move through a lot of our life with this same sentiment. Whether we mean to or not, we kind of sift and measure what we think counts with God. Like there is some big star chart in God's big back pocket, and we're all going for the gold. I mean, I, I love a good star chart. You know exactly who's good and who needs some improvement on a star chart. Read my Bible for 15 minutes a day. Silver Star. Read my Bible for 15 minutes a day and journal about it. Gold Star, right? Love someone on my hall. Okay. Love someone I meet through a student ministry. Okay. Okay. Pray for something. Have someone else have to pray for me. There's this hierarchy I think that we all make pretty unconsciously about what's better where God is concerned. And to be honest, I think that has way more to do with our productivity and independence values here in the United States and it has to do with dominant culture thinking, than it has anything to do with what actually counts in God's measurement. There is no star chart. There is no ruler. There is no scale by which we are judged as holy enough or holier than. It's a totally upside-down system to what we're used to performing under. And Marlene simply couldn't accept that my prayer, my earnest, easy-flowing prayer on her behalf would, quote, work. She kept asking how it would be credited to her. It took so many meetings for us to work this out over time. What if prayer can be wordless? What if prayer looks like an angry heart pointed in the direction of God with a desperate hope that God is actually there? What if prayer is just prayer, no matter who prays it, especially where great love is involved? What if praying in everything, praying in every situation of our lives, is only possible if others are joining us in prayer? What if God measured our goodness, our holiness, our in ness? by only one boundless metric, that we are loved as we are and that we always have been. You may find yourself today in a place of being able to pray, being able to present with thanksgiving your requests to God. But you might also be in a place today where you need to let someone in and ask them if they'll do some presenting for you. And I assure you of this, it's like I believe it with everything in me. Whoever is getting the presenting done, whether it is you or someone that you turn that prayer over to, in every situation, in all things, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My friends, it's been so good to be with you today. And I speak this again as your benediction that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord our God and the world around you.